Okay, welcome everyone to another podcast, um, the Pause Reset Brunch. My name is Natalie Francis Clark, and I'm very excited. Uh, we have Yemi Sikoni here, and she is our guest for the month of March. So before we begin, I just want to uh, just give you an introduction for Yemi. She is the president of Donahue Models and Talent LLC, Rhode Island's oldest and most successful modeling agency. Her company books some of New England's top professional models and talent and works with many corporate giants across the region, helping these companies to launch successful advertising campaigns and convey critical marketing messages. A graduate of the Goldman Sachs, uh, 10,000 Small Businesses Program. Yemi has a bachelor's degree in education, a postgraduate diploma in marketing, and an MBA, and has worked in banking, relationship management, event planning, and management. She has over 40 years of experience in various areas of the fashion and entertainment industry, including theater, TV, film, print, and runway. In addition to her agency, Yemi is the founder and executive producer of Rhode Island Fashion Week and the host of Fashion Fed, a virtual fashion and beauty series and designer consortium that provides consulting, educational, and business support services to fashion designers with the mission of helping them develop and grow their own businesses. Welcome, Yemi. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Oh my gosh. So before I even get into it, I like to ask my guests whether they're eating or drinking, you know, at this moment. Oh, right. so what am I drinking? Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what do we eat? Um, at this moment, well, I, I have a cold. So all I'm doing is I'm sipping some warm water to keep my uh, my vocal cords nice and uh, nice and fluid. Um, but I uh, uh, I tend to try to keep it light, especially in the evening. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of like a salad girl, um, you know, although every, every once in a while I'll do something much more hearty, like, a, you know, a pasta dish or you know, that sort of stuff. But I, you know, I try to, the older you get, the cleaner you need your diet to be. So I'm trying to, you know, head in that direction generally. I hear that right now. <laughs> I'm out. Right now I'm having a smoothie um, for, for Lent. I gave up baked goods and, um, and I'm not going to lie. It's been a struggle, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. So I felt like that urge for something sweet. So I said, all uh -huh. right, let me, let me do a smoothie. I may put some almond butter in it. Okay. Um, and, and that just kind of, that's helping. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds good. Well, let's get right into it. So, Yemi, your resume is so impressive. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I guess <laughs> the, the first thing I want to know is your love of fashion. When did that start? <sighs> now, I, I stumbled into the world of modeling and fashion totally by accident. I was already in my 30s when that kind of came onto my radar as a you know, adding it into, you know, the, 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 the repertoire of what I did, you know, of what I do. Mm -hmm. for, as, for as long as I can remember, I've always had a love for, I was always the child who, even as a young kid, I was always put together. So, you know, when the family would go out, my brother and sister might throw stuff on. No, my clothes, you know, that the shoes would match the this. And so mm -hmm. I was always just that kind of like that, you know, I'd always not really thinking much about it, but I always had a tendency mm -hmm. to, uh, to, 
put some emphasis on how I looked whenever I stepped out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've been in theater since I was about five, six years old. Uh, but, you know, as I said, the modeling part of it happened by accident. And that's because I moved here from the UK um, back in 1999. And, um, you know, after many years of acting, when I kept settled in the United States, I was trying to get into the acting industry here. And then I stumbled into the world of modeling, which then led into the world of fashion. Um, and I realized that it was just as much fun and that it kind of spoke to that side of me that I didn't realize had been the undertone my entire life. And uh, so once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's go. And I just, and because of my love of theater, uh, when the opportunity arose to produce Rhode Island Fashion Week, I thought that that was the perfect platform for me to merge my love of producing shows and, you know, being behind the scenes with my love of fashion. And so when I get to meet designers and see the creativity that they put into their work, that just excites me. Me. And I just think it's it's just the most amazing thing. Now, that is impressive because, okay, so um, I'm letting the audience know I've known Yanni for years, mm-hmm. I believe um, 2002. And one thing I can honestly say, Yanni, you walk. <laughs> okay. I mean, you not to me, naturally, you, you have that that walk so it's not surprising that um you know it's not surprising that this is something that that you love you have this regalness you know to you (laughs) thank you it's funny you should say that again that was not something I ever thought of growing up but and it didn't I didn't make the connection until I was older Mm -hmm. um but I remember friends would always tell me that there was a certain way that I carried myself Mm -hmm. that lent itself to to um to runway (laughs) <laughs> so yeah I guess <laughs> thank you <laughs> and and when you say uh, as you say you uh, always been put together so mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say does your background have anything to do with it I mean let's think about it from the UK mm-hmm. I know um, you you have Ni- Nigerian and Jamaican heritage yes. and then you moved to the US I mean you have like a dynamic of of stuff you know within you <laughs> so, right so i mean um I'm, was that any influence especially i i think so i think mm-hmm. so uh because it's you my my perspective of 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 you know my approach to anything um i'm always thinking about things through you know multiple lenses because of the influences of the different cultures right and um you know so I always say no experience is ever wasted experience. All of these little bits and pieces that make human beings who they are mm-hmm. um, define who you end up, you know, who you end up as. And so, you know, I lived in, I, I lived, I was born in the UK and I lived there for the first five years of my life. And then we moved to Nigeria. Now in Nigeria, the culture is very, you know, people, lots of color, lots of, um, you know, patterns. And, you know, when, when uh, uh, in, in Nigeria, when you're going to an event, you're dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and your people are proud and they strut with their headgear and their, you know, their traditional um, attire. So I think that did kind of, you know, shape my thought about presentation. And it's never been, it's not necessarily from a prideful place. It's not, like, oh no, you know, oh my God, you know, look at me, here I come. But it was just always, um, you know, how you perceive or how you want to be perceived and, you know, good or bad. The first thing, the first impression anybody makes of anybody else is based on, you know, the outer appearance before you then 
you know, take the next second or two to get to, you know, start to define who they are based on what they say, their mannerisms and whatnot. But it's all about the exterior. And so, you know, I think very early on, I just learned that, you know, if you put yourself together, if you carry yourself a certain way, um, it helps people or it, it you know, it, it, it um, determines how you are regarded and how you're treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. People see you first before you open up your mouth or anything Absolutely. like that. Yep. Now, what made you decide to create the Rhode Island Fashion Week? I mean, that's that's huge. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, the thing with me is I love a challenge. And so when somebody yeah. says, oh, let's do that, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, let's do that. Even before I think about how difficult, how tough, how impossible it might be, I'm like, oh my God, this is something new that I can sink my teeth into. I, I you know, I get very excited about new things to try. So, um, you know, there was kind of like a gap in the fashion industry in Rhode Island. We'd had a group, an entity uh, that had produced Fashion Week for a few years, and then they kind of took a break, I guess, to rebrand or whatever. And so we had a couple of years where there was no Fashion Week in Rhode Island. Mm. Now, prior to that, I had been producing little shows, informal fashion shows at restaurants, and I was doing that more as a way to, you know, just promote the agency because I'd just taken it over a few years prior. I just purchased it at the time. So it was my way of just kind of gaining some exposure. But because of my, as you know, as I said, my experience in theater, I kind of really understood the process, you know, the intricacies of putting a show together. And so when, uh, uh, when friends started to say, oh, you know, there's no fashion making Rhode Island, why don't you do something? I thought, you know something, why not? It's just little shows, just adding them all together over a certain day, you know, a certain number of days. And, um, we started it in 2016 and I just reached out to a few friends and I said, listen, this is what I'm looking to do. You know, what do you think? And everybody thought it was a great idea. And now uh, five years later, we're about to launch season 10, which is actually wow. at the end of this month. We do them twice a year and um, it's really, really grown. I mean, this is the first time we're going to be doing an eight day um, uh, we've got events over eight days. Now they're not all in-person runway shows. Only two days are in-person shows, but we've got a lot of, um, we've got a clothing swap on one of the days, you know, to promote sustainability and slow fashion. We've got a couple of days where we're doing panel discussions. We've got a couple of days that we're doing, um, you know, fashion shows from all over the world virtually. So people are going to tune into YouTube and Facebook to watch, you know, this designer from Uganda or Taiwan. And we're going to piece all of that together into 30 minute episodes for those uh, two days. So we went from three days when I first started to an eight day event. Hmm, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that is so cool. Um, so you say that uh, you do it twice a year. Is yes. there like a, do you do it at a set time? Typically, we do one in the fall and one in the spring. So this is kind of like our spring show. I've never necessarily tied it um, uh, strictly to the New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week timeline, but we just generally do it around that, you know, general time frame, because a lot of the time that designers make their clothing based on those two, um, you know, uh, uh, points in the year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, what obstacles have we faced? Um, you know, starting this, this is, this is huge, you know, 
<laughs> that's that's true. Um, I mean, the growth, sometimes uh, rapid growth can be uh, a good thing. Sometimes it can be detrimental. Um, you know, if you don't have the, the capacity to scale up when you are growing, then you might find yourself just doing as much damage to your brand as if you weren't making any progress at all. Okay. And so, uh, you know, one of the, the first mistake I think I made was the initial group um, of friends that I invited to be on the kind of like the, the board and the planning committee were not people who, and I love them all dearly, but they weren't necessarily people who were in the industry. Okay. And they didn't have the same level of commitment and passion that I did. So, you know, while they were there because it was fun, they loved me, they wanted to help, you know, they, they had other commitments. They were busy, you know, running their own lives and running their own business. And, you know, one was an attorney, one was in insurance, one was in nonprofit. So for them, it was fun, but it, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't inherent to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after the first couple of seasons, uh, you know, creative differences or differences of, of opinion began to emerge and we ended up just kind of like disbanding. And so for several years, um, it was just me and one other person that were producing the show. And when I look back now and I think, how the hell did we do it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know, but we did. I mean, it was, we, we did the barest minimum and, you know, to the audience, the audience doesn't know what's wrong. You, you, the producer, you know where your errors are, but the audience would still come and enjoy it and we'd get feedback and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so I've just now gotten back to uh, rebuilding my planning committee, but now I've got a team of 11 um, and they're all, you know, it's, this is all a, a, a volunteer um, um, because Rhode Island Fashion Week isn't, it's not a, um, it's not a revenue generator for me. It's more the passion for the industry and promoting the designers, giving them a platform to be seen, bringing people to come and see what these designers are doing. That's what, uh, what, that's what drives me. So I don't pay myself. Nobody on the team gets paid, but we all come together as a, uh, you know, as a community to make this work. But this current group are people who are, you know, makeup artists, hairstylists, uh, you know, production people, you know, musicians, entertainers. So they have more of a connection mm -hmm. and understand, you know, so we all understand the, the challenges that we face. And it's been a lot, the dynamic this time has been a lot, uh, a lot different. Wow. So uh, if someone wanted to get involved and help behind the scenes, um, mm. is that something that you're open to or oh, yeah. how to, how, okay. <laughs> So yes, absolutely. We we love to bring. Uh, so we actually still. I just had my social media assistant uh, put out the post for the volunteer call. Okay. Um, so anyone interested can go to the website um, fashionweekri.com. Fashionweekri.com, and there's one of the options at the top bar um, says register. When you click on that, it gives you a drop down box. So if you're a designer, a model, a volunteer, a performer, a photographer, you've got your own link to click on to mm -hmm. fill out kind of like pre-register and then we reach out to that person and you know take the conversation uh from there but we we're always welcoming new people okay and is it limited only to designers in rhode island or is it around the new england area or oh no if a okay. designer we actually have some uh, uh we <laughs> i don't want to give too much away okay um spoiler alert <laughs> but we actually have on one of the days we're having a cosplay are you familiar with cosplay 
So if you ever know Comic-Con, you know, the, the, the comic uh, um, aficionados, they have a, a convention that they do, um, you know, they do them in different states. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, we have a scene um, in Fashion Week that's going to be people that like to dress up as like superheroes. And they're coming in from New York. So, you know, I have some designers coming down from Massachusetts. Uh, We might have one from New Hampshire. She's still trying to figure out if she can make it work. But we're open. If they can come from anywhere, we would be happy to have them. Now, how important um, is it for you to promote diversity? Oh, my goodness. Big. So, you know, of course, we've always... uh, for all, all our years, we've always fought to be seen as mm-hmm. people of color and also particularly as women of color. We're working harder, you know, work, you know, uh, uh, longer hours um, just to be um, appreciated for the same amount of work that our other counterparts um, you know, get much more, get easier accolades for. And so I feel very you know, every day I feel very blessed and very honored and very appreciative for the opportunity that I have to be doing something that I absolutely love and would do as a hobby. And actually this is my, my day job. And so I recognize the, the, the unique position I'm in. And then the fact that I'm female and a person of color, I, you know, I, I take my role as a role model very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. So when I'm out, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm always thinking who is here that might see me and how am I coming across to that person? So I want to make sure that that young girl of color who might be, you know, in my space and is, you know, just kind of observing what I'm doing. I want to make sure that she's seeing uh, me in the best light possible so that she can see herself in that same light as well. So, you know, while I try, you know, I I strive to be inclusive of every ethnic background. I mean, they, you know, friends make fun. They're like, we're the United Nations because on my team, for instance, I have somebody who's from Cambodia. I have, um, you know, some Caucasian people. I have several African-American. I have Cape Verdean. Um, You know, we've got a Spanish person. So I try to really embrace all cultures because I think it just makes the experience richer Uh, but I make sure that I present myself to the young girls that look like me so that they can see themselves in my position you know in the future yeah that's that's good Mm. um so I see that you're a business coach for apparel designers what does that entail all right so um a couple of years ago, I went to, I, I got to, I got accepted to be in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. Now, this is a program that's sponsored by Goldman Sachs, uh, the financial institution, to uh, provide business education to small businesses or businesses of all sizes that, you know, are, you know, trying to get to the next uh, level. There's certain criteria, you need to be in business for a number of years. And, you know, there's several criteria that you need need to meet. And it was an intense 12 week, almost like a condensed MBA program. Um, So it was a lot of work. It was very grueling, but you felt super proud when you, if you were able to get through it and and emerge on the other side. Part of that program, every student had to come up with a growth plan, a business opportunity that they could in real life implement, um, you know, once they um, uh, um, completed the program. So my growth plan was to provide these services, these educational services 
for fashion designers, because over the years of working with them, uh, you know, producing fashion shows and having conversations with them, I began to learn that fashion designers or apparel designers, as I prefer to call them, are, are almost like artists, you know, they love that, you know, they're creative, they love what they do, and they just want to, you know, make beautiful things and put clothing on people and make them look great. They don't necessarily always know or have a business background. And I've known several designers that have gone to college, gotten a four-year degree at the local colleges here in Rhode Island, but because they didn't have the, because that business element was missing, they couldn't figure out how to start a viable fashion business. And then after a year or two, they lose hope, they give up, and then they go work a regular day job in admin or whatever other um, um, field, or they move to New York to work in somebody else's fashion house, but they stopped trying to establish their own business. And so I thought, what could I do to at least help them, even if they don't make it full time, but at least be able to still have a side business of their own to do the thing that they really love doing while they're, you know, maybe working a day job to pay the bills. Um, and so, you know, and I, I have a, a, a degree, a bachelor's in education. So I've also, I've also always had a love for teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to merge those two, my love of teaching with my desire to help these designers be successful. And that's why I came up with that Fashion Fetch uh, Designer Consortium. And so I have a series of workshops that they can learn. Um, and these are business classes that just about anyone can take, but it's geared specifically towards the designers. So when we're talking about pricing, you know, we're breaking it down to buttons and, and, you know, needles and thread and lace and, you know, the things that make sense to them rather than just a generic, um, you know, business program, if that makes sense. Okay. So um, in regards to this type of workshop, Mm -hmm. how can someone get in contact with you regarding that? So people, well, I, I, it, we, (laughs) during the pandemic, (laughs) excuse me, um, during the pandemic, we kind of um, shut that down because I I was just just starting it when the pandemic started. I was beginning to pick up momentum. Um, So I'm only just beginning to start uh, to get back into promoting that. So I had not promoted it in the last um, couple of years, but typically I've had people reach out to me, um, you know, directly through LinkedIn or through some of my social media sites, because I do a lot of posts where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm posting an educational video um, about, you know, business as a fashion designer. So I've had designers that have just sent me a message to say, hey, you know, I'd love to learn more, you know, about that. Um, They can also go, I'll have to check. I'm not sure if the website is still active. I did have a business a fashion website um, where I, you know, kind of listed all the um, all the workshops and programs that designers could take. So I need to go back and, and be sure that that's um, up and running. Okay. Now, now that you, um, you know, you may bring this back. Are you thinking of doing virtual classes as well? Or? Absolutely. Okay. I think one of the few things, one of the few good things that came out of COVID, <laughs> I mean, and it's not, virtual has always been there. It's been, right. for, it's been around forever, but we never really thought about how how to really immerse it or immerse ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. So it was always just an option. Now it's the first choice that you think of when you're talking about meeting with someone. Right. And um, a funny story, I was supposed to meet with, uh, I was supposed to have a business meeting, we set the date, and I'm sitting at my computer, I'm waiting for them to send me the link to join on Zoom. And then I get a text message from uh, from one of the people I was supposed to be meeting with saying, where are you? And I'm like, well, where are you? <laughs> so they thought I was coming in person. <laughs> I thought they were meeting me virtually. <laughs> 
So, um, but yes, so the virtual has become such a huge part of our lives mm-hmm. that, you know, what I love is that this means I can speak to any designer anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, does it, can it be, what if, uh, so what if it's someone who's looking to start like a, um, a athletic, um, line. athletic line or anything? Does it, you know, is, is that fine that they can reach out to you? That's definitely. Okay. Yes. Anything. I, I actually think I have someone reach out to you. Um, Great. You know, uh, she's very passionate about it, but you know, I, I, you know, yeah, definitely. This is oh. good. This is good. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. So, you know, before I get into the next question, I just have to ask: Are you still acting? Um, not as much. Okay. When mm-hmm. when we when we first met, um, way back when, then <laughs> I we worked. You know, we were we were work colleagues. But yeah. as you know, you knew my passion. So every weekend, I was off to some audition or mm-hmm. somewhere. Now, since I bought the agency, my role changed, and I felt it wouldn't be. I personally felt it wouldn't be very fair for me to still book myself for jobs when I'm okay. representing, I've got 300 and something models on my model roster wow. that I'm booking for jobs, you know, around the New England area. Mm-hmm. So I pulled back. Now, every so often I've had somebody, a client that I've, I had worked with in the past that wanted my specific look and presentation, and they've reached out to say, hey, I've got something I would love for you to do. Now, when that happens, they don't need to ask me twice. I'm like, yeah, where do you need me to be? When do you need me to be there? Mm-hmm. Because that's the reason I'm in this industry. I never in a, in, my, in a million years, I never thought that my career path would end up being as a talent representative, as an agent. But I love what I do and because it keeps me in the industry that I love the most every day you know, Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, from 10 to from nine to whatever time I'm working. Um, so uh, um, I, uh, oh God, I've lost my train of thought. What was I saying? We were talking about the acting. And- okay. Yes. Yeah. So occasionally I'll have somebody that will call and say, Hey, I've got something I would love for you to do. The other time I've, I've submitted myself is when I've had um, a, a quick anecdote. So I just did a job with a, a large, large uh, company. It's a global company. Mm-hmm. When the email came through on my inbox, it came through one of the casting agencies, one of the other casting agencies that I have a relationship with, and they always send me casting notices. So if I've got models or talent that fit that, I'll email them, hey, I've got so-and-so for you. Do you think they'll be a good fit? This right. email came in and it was looking for a woman in her 50s who was African-American um, who, no, who was of African, who had African heritage and had a British accent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Perfect. And I did not have anybody on my database to send them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I sent them an email like, like, Hey guys, you know, uh, you know, I know you get my, yeah, I see your emails all the time and we go back and forth. I said, this particular job, I don't have anybody, but I happen to fit every spec that you need. So I said, here's my resume and my headshot. Let me know if you're interested And they email back. They're like, oh yeah, we would love to do this. So I ended up getting booked for that. So the occasions like that where I might submit myself, but they're few and far between. Mm. Okay. Now, what makes you, what makes a talent or a model stand out for you? Like when you see that person, what? 
Now, of course, it always starts with, you know, physical traits. So, you know, the thing with my database, and it's, and it's you know, every agency is driven, the, you know, the models they have are driven by the area or the market that they're in. Being in New England, we do most of what we call lifestyle and commercial modeling, as opposed to high fashion and editorial, which is what you kind of see like in a Vogue magazine or W magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so my clients are very often looking for good, clean, wholesome, all-American guy or girl next door. They want fresh faces, great smiles, great personality. So that's the first thing I'm looking for. Excellent grooming, you know, and my clients are not as concerned about height. So, you know, traditionally people always thinking models need to be five foot nine and a size two or a size four. Um, in our local market, we're a lot more, um, um, a lot more uh, relaxed about that. But the other great thing is that the, the advertising industry is beginning to really embrace the fact that the audience that they're trying to market to at home is a lot more diverse than the five foot nine, size two, size four. You know, you've got plus size models, you've got petite, you've or, or, you know, audiences, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, every ethnicity, you've got different um, sexual orientations, you've got people with disabilities. So now I'm seeing that we're getting requests and, you know, the request might say something like male, female, trans, uh, non-binary. Uh, they may say, you know, send us plus size, send, send us petite, you know, give us all sizes, give us all ethnicities. So the beauty is that it's a lot more diverse. And I love that. So, of course, I'm looking for physical traits, fresh, great smile. Um, but on the other side, one big thing I look for is personality. So, you know, my personal, I've always tried to live by the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to treat everybody with dignity and respect, regardless of their station in life. And so I look for that when I'm meeting with a potential model or I'm interviewing them. And if I kind of get the sense that this model thinks they're all that in a bag of chips and they're walking around like, you know, the world owes them something, I'm less likely to sign them, no matter how great they may be because I just don't want to deal with the drama. And if I'm not if I'm not having a good vibe with the model, then my concern is when I send this model out to go work with the client, what kind of vibe is the client going to get from the model? Mm. And, you know, I need to protect the reputation of the company, which we've been able to do, you know, so far, um, you know, because, you know, clients will always come back to me and say, oh my God, so-and-so was great. They were friendly, they were warm, they were respectful, they were polite, they were, you know, and that's because I intentionally look for that in, in, um, in my models. Cool. Cool. Now, what keeps your passion going? Like, um, I mean, things, you know, is it because, you know, the the industry is always changing? Like, what is it that that keeps your, your passion lit? That's actually a good, that's a good one. Um, the, the, the changing, the, the direction that it's going right now. And, you know, so because models are no longer cookie cutter. So, um, I just got a request today where they were looking for, although I do not have somebody in that category, this is for a healthcare uh, 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 job that's coming up. It's a project that's a shoot that's going to be coming up uh, next month. And they needed uh, talent who was a little bit on the obese side. Now, I don't have anybody, you know, in that category. Um, I mean, I have plus size models, but not on the level that they're taught, that they're looking for. So for me, I'm thinking, okay, where do I go? How do I find one of those? I get excited about that. Like, this is a challenge. How am I going to sink my teeth into this? Uh, <laughs> and I think just my love, I, I cannot explain explain the, the, the passion that I've always had for this industry. I can't describe why I feel the way that I do, but I get very excited. I mean, when I wake up in the morning and I'm 
firing up my laptop, I'm always thinking, oh God, what's going to be in my inbox? What castings am I going to be working on uh, today? So I think it's just a challenge, the, the, the non-monotony of it. Every job is different. Um, and it just, it just keeps my juices going. That is so cool, Yemi, because you, you're like the perfect example um, when you enjoy it is not work. And, and just hearing you talk, mm. um, that's what I get you know, <laughs> from, from you. That's, that is so true. I've been told that they, I hear that my eyes light up when I talk about what I do. And I don't know. I'm just talking. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm told that I get very animated when I talk about my job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> So I have um, a question for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing you, right? And mm -hmm. like I said, um, we've known each other since 2002 mm -hmm. and um, your face hasn't changed. Like you still, <laughs> you still have like that beautiful glow. <laughs> what is your, your secret? I mean, I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm like, Amy looks the same. You know, <laughs> well, what, what's your secret, girl? What is your secret? Well, you know, number one, they say black don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's where it begins from. But, you know, my mom, I, I think it's also, and I, thank you, my mom, I, I, I think I get it from my mother. Good genes. Um, my mother's 70. So I'm 52. I'm going to be 53 in, uh, in less than a month. Um, my mom's going to be 73 this year. And just this past Christmas, I was making fun of her. I'm like, mom, where are your wrinkles? She doesn't have any. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I think that's just, you know, that's where I get it from. I have very oily skin and they usually say, you know, when you have oily skin, it, it's harder for it to get wrinkly just because of the oils. It's annoying because every time you put your phone to your face, you take your phone away. Now it's got all the grease on the face of the phone. But, the, you know, one of the benefits of that is that, you know, you don't get wrinkled. And I think also mom has, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mom had also taught me to take care of my skin very early on so okay. you know I've been using like eye creams and you know uh, moisturizers from you know my teens um, and believe it or not I still use Mary Kay oh yes yes okay okay yes. oh you do okay I still use Mary Kay mm -hmm. um, you know when I've had when there was a time when I was kind of getting my skin was getting a little bit funky and I was introduced uh, to the product uh, then, and I became a Mary Kay consultant for uh, a couple of years. I, mm -hmm. I don't do it anymore. I don't. I don't actively sell anything, but I order, you know, for myself, um, you know, to keep, you know, to maintain, to maintain, and um, you know, it's. I, I think it's also helped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, and plus, I just try not to take myself too seriously. Okay. Yeah. You know what, Yemi? That's one thing you were always able to laugh at yourself. I mm -hmm. do remember that. Yep. Um, you know, um, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, after all these years, you know, you still give me that, I still get that same vibe from you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that, that's wonderful. So any advice for those who want to get into the business? Into the business of fashion or into the business of modeling or just overall? In, just overall, I, you know, you can give us from, from both. Angles. You know, yeah, sure. It's, I mean, the, the thing universally, this could be a, a career that a person can do on the side their entire life, um, you know, and that's the beauty of it. A lot of people, unless you're working in New York or LA or one of the bigger market, you know, markets in the industry, most people are doing this as a side gig, a part-time 
uh, opportunity for some kids, an extracurricular mm -hmm. activity. But you still need to make sure that you're taking it seriously um, because it's still a profession. And so for someone who's looking to maybe get representation or, you know, pursue a career, they can't um, um, uh, treat it very lackadaisical, like it's just a hobby. So, you know, getting coaching, getting trained, understanding the industry and being you know, when people think about modeling, they usually think that it's fun, it's glamour. There's a lot of work behind it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and there's a seriousness. So if I'm booking models on a job, call time, if call time is eight o'clock, a model can't be strolling in at 8.05 or 8.15 and think right. that it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to make the client upset. You know, there are things that you have to know that you need to take to a job. You need to know how to conduct yourself. So, you know, I always tell models, if they're looking to do this seriously, they just need to approach it with the same passion and drive that they would if they were, you know, pursuing any other career. When you're going to interview with an agent, you know, don't just throw on flip-flops and, and pajama bottoms or Ugg boots. Put yourself together. So there, there, there is an expectation in the industry, a misconception in the industry that it's not serious, but there's an expectation from the industry that's a high, that has a high standard that people have to live, to, live up to. So it's hard work. And so you have to be committed to, um, to, to put the work in in order for it to, to um, you know, respond and, and for you to get to where you want to be. Awesome. Awesome. So please tell us um, how can anyone get in contact with you um, if they're interested in uh, learning more about, uh, you know, about getting into fashion or even um, just getting to know more. Yeah. In general, you know, yeah. what was, what's the best way to contact you? Um, the best way I think would be to go to my LinkedIn page okay. um, since, you know, from a, a business standpoint, I mean, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on um, Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, of course the Instagram, actually my Instagram and my LinkedIn pages are business pages. Well, LinkedIn mm -hmm. is, is business. Anyway, my Facebook is more personal. Okay. Um, so if somebody is on LinkedIn, that would be the best way to just send me a direct message. Um, and I do get messages from people all over. Um, I have people that might send me say, hey, I just designed this shirt. What do you think? Or I'm trying to do this, or I'm trying to get into modeling. That happens quite a bit through my LinkedIn. So that would be the best, the best way. Okay. And her LinkedIn is Yemi Sikoni. So that's Y-E-M-I. Yes. S-E-K-O-N-I. Yes. And then MBA at the end. Yes. 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 So I just want to thank you um, for being my guest today. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can't thank you enough. And like I said, it's great to know after all these years, you still give me the, the same vibe. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and just want to uh, let the audience know that if anyone is interested in being a guest on Pause Reset Brunch, please reach out to me uh, via email at pausesetbrunch at gmail.com or you can visit my website at naturalandting.com. And don't forget to pause and reset. So Yemi, thank you once again. I'm so appreciative that you did um, come on our, my show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you.